this is your host, Kim, from the MISN CAP team, and welcome to the Real Women's Forum, where we discuss topics including, but not limited to, trust and relationships, sexual health, hygiene, racial issues, and misogyny. Recently, we have added subjects that pertain to youth and have created a section under our podcast named Adolescence with an X, where we'll speak on topics that specifically relate to the youth in our community. Before we start, a small disclaimer. The Real Women's Forum podcast does not issue any medical advice. Instead, the podcast serves as a safe and brave space for women and other members of the community to discuss, voice common concerns, and share their experiences. We encourage you to visit MISN's website to seek information on specialized programs regarding health insurance, improving birth outcomes, and educating teens on the risks of being sexually active. Today, we are here with Darshni Darpino, the unit director of the Boys and Girls Club of Newburgh. Welcome, Darshni, and thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. So to start off, can you please start by introducing yourself and talk a little bit about the work that you do? Yes, um, as you mentioned earlier, I am the unit director at the Boys and Girls Club of Newburgh. I've been working at the Boys and Girls Club of Newburgh for close to a decade now. And I have over 20 years experience working with school-aged children in various you know, programs and, and environments. If you're new to the Boys and Girls Club of Newburgh, our mission is to empower our youth to achieve their full potential. And we do that through programs that promote academic success, healthy lifestyles, and good character and citizenship. And we hope to support you know, a child's vital development years from the age of five to 19 you know, through programs in the arts, education, health and life skills and sports and fitness. Wow, well, a decade first of all working there and 20 years experience is a long time. Yes. And I've had the chance to visit the club, as you know, um, we've partnered before and it's truly amazing work that's going on there. Like I always see all the activities that the youth are doing and it always seems so much fun. And I know that you play a pivotal part in making sure that everything is running smoothly and you have a positive impact on like the youth in our community. So thank you for doing the work that you do and just having an overall positive impact on our community. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I love working at the Boys and Girls Club. You know, our main goal is to create a safe place for children to learn and grow. And at the end of the day, we're also trying to promote hope and opportunity for the children in our community. And that that is an amazing feeling <laughs> to be able to yeah. go to work every day. And that's your focus, right? Yes, of course. As you may know, August is Bystander Awareness Month, and being that the new school year is quickly approaching, I wanted to talk to you about bystanders, bystanders and bullying, and I just wanted to say that we can all help prevent bullying just by talking about it, so can you briefly describe the different forms of bullying you may have encountered in your years of working with youth? Sure. So one of the first types of bullying that we've encountered working with youth is just physical bullying. And that's very, you know, easy to point out, right? Because it's, you know, physical, it's hitting, kicking, punching, sometimes like spitting or pushing or, you know, breaking someone's, you know, personal items or making, you know, disrespectful or rude gestures towards another child. We've also experienced verbal bullying. So that's name calling, teasing, you know, insulting someone, trying to intimidate them, you know, or making rude comments, um, in, you know, or 
being threatening, you know, trying to cause harm to someone either physically or emotionally. We also have bullying that happens in social situations. So social bullying, which is, you know, spreading rumors or leaving someone out on purpose. Or we see this a lot in the club with the younger kids, you know, saying, well, I don't want to be your friend or we shouldn't be friends with that person. Also just saying something about another person to ruin their reputation or disrupt the relationships that they have. And something that is happening more and more that we're seeing in clubs, specifically with the teens, is the cyberbullying. So we see a lot of like text messages, emails, posts, you know, you're making threats to others online or trying to intimidate someone online or deliberately trying to exclude or make fun of someone online. And then also in the same way that they would do it in person with the spreading rumors, you can also do that online. And the thing about online is like, once it's out there, if it's recorded, it's kind of there forever, you know, for as long as you yeah. can find it. So those are the four types of bullying that we see consistently with the youth. Yeah. And of course, with the growth of social media use and just overall increased access to internet connections, I feel like cyberbullying has really grown, unfortunately, just because youth nowadays are starting to, you know, have tablets and phones at such an early age, which is very unfortunate. Agreed. It can be such a distraction, not just, you know, with your emotions and things, but even academically and having issues with focusing. And they just find that, you know, even with adults, like we we are logged in constantly and it's not really that great for us in our mental health. Yeah. And I will say, I feel like the most challenging form of bullying would be verbal because You know, sometimes a child or teen may not seem hurt, but that doesn't mean that they aren't. And so like inside, you know, they can be very upset. They can be thinking a lot of things about themselves. Their self-esteem is severely impacted. And so I think it's the most dangerous because it's the ones that we can't necessarily see if they're so good at hiding it. Absolutely. We can all think of a time or when someone said something to us and it stuck with us even as into our adulthood, you know, Mm -hmm. like remember what they said and how you felt in that moment. So why is it important to stop and prevent bullying and specifically what impacts may it have on the young teen or person being bullied? I think it's important because it's become so widespread, you know, in all the United States, but also on a local level and bullying negatively impacts all the youth involved, not just the person that's being bullied you know, those who are the bullies and also those who are witnessing the bullying known as bystanders, as you mentioned earlier. And it's common, like I think these statistics are about one in five high school students reported being bullied on school property. And, you know, bullying is also a frequent discipline policy when you look, you know, in the different school districts that they report, schools report that, you know, discipline problems occurring daily or at least once a week when, when it pertains to bullying. And the impact you know, what are the consequences of bullying is that, you know, it can result in physical injury, you know, social and emotional distress, as you had mentioned, from like verbal abuse and self-harm even, and even death, it can be that extreme. Bullying also increases, you know, your risk for depression, anxiety, even sleep difficulties, lower academic achievement, and even can cause some children to drop out of school entirely. And there are even risk factors for the bully themselves, the person that's doing the bullying. They are at increased risk for things such as substance misuse in the future, academic problems, and even 
experiencing violence later in their life, in, in their adulthood, things such as consequences, such as a greater risk for mental health and behavior problems later on in life. So this is something that is important and something that we need to address. Of course. And I think that being that bullying can start at such an early age, it's something that we have to stop because we can't afford to let, you know, the children and the youth have, I guess, like negative connections with people at such an early age, because that doesn't necessarily help with their social, like, I guess, interactions later on. Yes, I always remind my staff when we work with kids, like, you know, your brain is still being developed up to 25 years of age. Like, that's just science. You're young and you're vulnerable and your brain is still making all of these connections and you receive these, this sort of trauma. You know, bullying is one of the aces. I think it's really important to protect our children, their, their growing brains and their growing hearts, right? Because this is a critical time in their development. And I know you mentioned ACEs really quickly, but could you explain that to our listeners who may not know or are familiar with ACEs? Adverse childhood experiences, like I mentioned, bullying is actually one of, you know, the signs of that. ACEs are what you would describe as, you know, early trauma. One in six adults experience four of the ACEs, and a lot of them happen in early childhood. And, you know, ACEs can include violence, abuse, growing up in a family with mental health or substance abuse problems. You know, as we know, toxic stress and stressors change your brain development and affect how the body responds to stress in the future. So we want to prevent these. Our children and adults can thrive later on in life. Definitely. Well, as educators, our duty is to shut down bullying automatically. Of course, we know all the detrimental effects it can have not only on the person being bullied, but on the person doing the bullying as well. That being said, are there some things that we can all look for when trying to determine if a young person is being bullied or if someone is bullying others? Sure. So some signs of being bullied include depression and anxiety, having low self-esteem. Some of our of the youth that we work with will, you know, complain of headaches, stomach aches, tiredness, or have a poor appetite. A lot of the children will mention you know, not liking school or the environment where they're being bullied, missing school, having a poor school performance. Some of our students even report, you know, avoiding certain areas of the school building or the school grounds, because maybe that's where things kind of pop off when things go back, go left. Also, you know, self-destructive behaviors, we'll see, we've seen children like running away from home or harming themselves as well. We also have children with unexplained injuries, like they have know a bruise or something and they don't want to explain or have an explanation of how it happened. Sometimes bullies will, you know, destroy things, personal items, electronics, clothing, things like that, or it'll be lost and there's no real explanation for that. Difficulty sleeping is another sign. And then also trying, you know, trying to avoid social situations or, you know, if a child says that they have no friends, you know, that's kind of like a, a warning sign that you want to look for. Signs that a child is bullying others. There are some things that you can look for, like if they have aggressive behavior. So are they lashing out emotionally or physically? Are they showing aggression and yelling at adults? Are they hitting, you know, younger siblings or people in their family? Another sign is if they only hang out with certain kids. So like, oh, I'm, I, you know, I won't hang out with those kids. Those are the losers or those are the whatever, you know, group that they want to label those children. Also being preoccupied with like, and concerned about what other people think of them, like being well-liked and sometimes they want to win at all costs, right? They don't, they don't think about how it affects other people. You know, they want to be of a higher status and have some power, right? In this situation, 
Another sign to look out for a bully is like lacking empathy, you know, and not being able to connect like how their actions affect other people and not being able to like put themselves in other people's shoes and being concerned with how other people feel. And then some other signs in bullies could be just like blaming other people, feeling like, you know, they don't have to take responsibility for their actions because maybe that person deserved it or making excuses for their, you know, their behavior. And then also, this is one that is is interesting, is that we've noticed is, you know, pay attention to who your children spend time with, who's their, who's their friend group, who do they hang around? Because, you know, if you, if they have friends that are being bullies or spreading rumors or gossiping or just a bit of a rougher crowd, your child is going to pick up on that, you know, and you kind of, you know, the old saying is you are who you hang out with and who you spend time with. Yeah. And so if you see, if you're around bullies, there is a potential for you to feel peer pressure from that friend group and say, maybe I'm going to make fun of this person and join in with everyone. Right. So I think it's important just in, just in general in life to really think about like, who is your core friend group? Who are the people you spend the most time with? And that's just an important skill just in life because you are who you spend your time with. You are what you think about mostly, you know what I mean? You become very influenced by your environment and the people that you are with. Like if you're around a bunch of negative people, how are you going to stay positive? It's really difficult. <laughs> Protect your, your spirit is really important to do. And also, you know, I always say with the cyberbullying, because that is something that has been coming up quite a bit, is that just monitor your kids' online activity. It's really important that, you know, you want to check to make sure that they're not bullying, but they're also not being bullied themselves. And it's important to pay attention to that. And then here's something that I always say to family members, really pay attention to how family members or people in that person's household treat others. So kids mimic what they see at home. I mean, that's just natural. That's where they spend a lot of their time. And if they're seeing parents being bullies, siblings being bullies, it can really cause them to imitate that sort of behavior. So if your child and your brain is still developing and you're witnessing this type of behavior on a regular basis in your home, it could really incite them and inspire them to do the same. So I always, you know, remind parents to really, you know, pay attention because kids will do what you do, not just what you say. You can say don't bully all day long, but if they see you bullying the waitress at dinner, being rude and disrespecting people, they're going to think that that's, that's okay. And that's, that's acceptable behavior. Of course. So it's important to have a positive modeling influence on any young youth that we're around. Absolutely. So knowing all these signs of possible indicators as a child is being bullied or a child is bullying others to help other people who may be working with youth or even parents themselves. How do you approach or de-escalate a situation when a young person is being bullied? Sure. So just like any other thing, prevention is the best approach, right? So it's important to communicate and teach the expected pro-social behaviors that we want to see in our youth. At the Boys and Girls Club of Newburgh, I can share that we focus on the entire club environment, like how everyone feels in the space, how we want to treat each other where we're in the space. A few years ago, really changed and created a whole comprehensive program-wide effort to identify and address, you know, problem areas and be able to intervene in, in things such as bullying behaviors that we see. We have a discipline policy at the Boys and Girls Club of Newburgh, and it's basically summed up. I call it the five Bs. And the five Bs are be safe, be respectful, be responsible, be positive, be great. 
And when you step foot in the Boys and Girls as a child, doesn't matter who you are, we talk to you about the five Bs. And the five Bs encompasses every, every behavior you could possibly see. It encompasses how we're going to treat each other. Even in the first like week of after school program, we sing songs about the five Bs. We sing chants about the five Bs. We define the five Bs. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to be respectful? So being respectful at five years old could look different than for, to a 17 year old, right? Mm -hmm. So we give examples of what it, um, to be responsible in the space, to be positive in the space that we're sharing. We do role-playing scenarios with the kids. Like, you know, we throw out a situation, maybe it's a bullying situation. And we act out, okay, what is the right approach to take? What is the, the approach that maybe we shouldn't be following? We teach the mandatory parent orientation. That's important to say mandatory parent orientation to make sure the parents are on the same page with the five Bs, volunteers, interns, anyone that's involved in our programs for a long, you know, a significant period of time. When they, before they even step in the building, they learn about the five Bs. So we're all on the same page. And, you know, in our entire community, ends up having the same vocabulary for when things need to be addressed. And it, it's become such a beautiful thing. And one of the key things that I found with my staff is that consistency was important with the five Vs. Like that's really key to, to creating a safe space, but which is a daily check-in for the kids and where they discuss issues that they have in the program. We talk out the steps of conflict resolution. So we have an issue with the group. Maybe someone brings that up and we have conversations about okay, this is the problem. What are the steps to get us to where we need to be and where we want to be? And talking that out is really, really important for the kids to hear and to get in the practice of learning. We have uh, group agreements as well, which help, which are centered around the five. Some other things that we've done in the past, um, we recently had a six-week pilot restorative justice circle for our teens this past spring, which was amazing. We had great feedback from the teens. They loved it because they had really you know, difficult conversations, things on race and hair texture and bullying and a whole host of issues. And it was a safe place for everyone to kind of express how they felt and really talk about like real solutions and things. And I'm really excited, hopefully in the fall to continue the restorative justice circle for the teens. But what I learned was like, we all have to have the same vocabulary, the same understanding of what the expectations are and make it more of a culture as opposed to just dealing with individual situations as they kind of pop up and you're just putting out fires. But when I have a child and they're running in the hallway, I don't have to think about what to say to them, like yell at them and say, stop running, you know, something really negative. I say, I need you to be safe, you know, and this is why I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want to call your parents and tell them you got an ouchie, you know? Yeah. So it just, it simplifies. It's also really amazing. I've seen some transformation with staff members as well, who maybe grew up in, in situations where, you know, they were used to yelling or being reprimanded or punishing, punishing, punishing children. And the idea is that we're not here to punish kids. Like I'm not in, at the Boys and Girls Club to punish kids. I want to teach them the right behaviors mm -hmm. and incentivize them to have the right behaviors. So I've had staff members who, you know, would in the past just resort to what they knew, right? What they thought was a great way to discipline a child or correct a child. And now they don't, they don't have to think about it or resort to what they know. Now they know, okay, this is, I'm going to talk to them about the five Bs. I'm going to refer to the five Bs. I'm going to encourage them, incentivize them to follow the five Bs and model the five Bs as, as a staff member, right? Because how can you ask a child to be respectful or not bully if you're doing that, right? That whole yeah. role-playing thing. So I'm, 
I am a huge proponent of creating a culture and really sticking to it. I've had some amazing turnarounds with behaviors when it came to this. I've had students will literally come up to me and say, Ms. Darshini, I'm really not feeling very positive today. I'm really not feeling respectful. And this is why. And just using the language, you know, and and just feeling safe enough to even just, you know, con con communicate that to the staff and to myself. It's just a wonderful thing to have that. And um, I really recommend for programs to really invest in time and building a culture. It doesn't have to be the five E's, it could be something else, but invest in an overall culture so that there's no question about how we want to feel in the space, how we want to treat each other. This is really important. And then some other things, other methods that I know that really work is making sure that bystanders you know, are empowered and that we they understand that they have a responsibility to com communicate you know, issues that they see and really have them take responsibility for creating a safe and welcoming environment, that they're a part of it. And then also providing a means for children to safely report the bullying behaviors, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's confidential. That's not going to create more of a disturbance to them. Also, I must say that the Boys and Girls Club has some wonderful curriculums that really intertwine social and emotional learning skills into activities. Like one of the examples is we have a triple play program. And it's sports and recreation, but every lesson has um, specific objectives around SEL where we're not just throwing the ball around the gym. We're talking about, okay, what does it mean to win? What does it mean to lose? You know, how do we cooperate and collaborate with others when I'm playing a game with them? So it's not just throwing the ball around. There's lessons to another key thing that I, I think is really important to remember is data to inform. Like, so we survey our members throughout the year by collecting experiences, perceptions of the climate of the building and behaviors that they're experiencing. And we use that to, you know, determine, you know, if we need to modify things, if we need to address. And also lastly, <laughs> my last tip is making sure that if you have a bully, bullying policy or discipline policy, that not just you just develop it and teach everyone, but you also enforce it. I can't tell you how many kids come to me and say, I'm being bullied and no one is doing anything about it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as program directors, as administrators, we have to, we can't turn a blind eye. We really have to confront these issues head on and, and rally up the resources. But what happens is if you let things slide, if you don't address them right away, it only gets worse. Mm -hmm. And then you have a culture where people think it's okay to spit on someone or hit yeah. someone. This is a program where we can just curse and that's okay. You have to be really, really firm and enforce your, the policies, which are meant to not just support the kids, but also the staff. Can you imagine being a staff member, having a child that's behaving, displaying his behavior and how frustrating that could be, mm -hmm. right? If your administrators and people that are supposed to help enforce these policies really don't do what they need to do to stop it. That's amazing, but how in-depth the Boys and Girls Club goes to create such a learning environment and I also like that the approach isn't just okay here's our stance on bullying um go ahead and read it but instead it goes here's our, our stance on bullying and then you go through the steps each single step so each of the five b's you go through mm -hmm. you go through with it with the kids and you give an example of what that means and you model it and of course I think something that's very important is you mentioned that like youth staff and parents as well all have the same 
information given so everyone's on the same page. So I think that that's really amazing. Yeah, and I also want the parents to communicate to the parents that we are not trying to punish your child or or or, or single them out. We want to help teach these right behaviors because we know these soft skills, quote unquote, soft skills are some of the most important skills in life, right? Being able to resolve conflicts, being able to express your feelings, your emotions in a positive way. These are all so important to a healthy and successful life. So when you have the parents on the same page and they understand, they're more willing to support you when you are having to discipline or make certain decisions, right? Because they know at the end of the day, you're doing it because you care and you want to teach the behaviors. And I always say, and, you know, kids will listen to you if they think and they believe and understand that you care about them. If they don't think you care about them, if you don't have that relationship, they really, you can't teach them anything. They don't want to learn from you because they just don't trust yeah, of course. I definitely can relate to that. I've worked with some youth um, in different like counties, and sometimes it is hard because there's not enough connection between an educator and the youth. And so it's like, in reality, I'm here to really support you, and I want you to be the best version of yourself. But if you don't have enough connection and rapport, then of course, it's going to be difficult for the youth to fully open up to you and to trust you and to allow you to in. Absolutely. And I'm, I always say, you know, I've developed so much as it me as an individual by working with children, because I have to role model these behaviors as well. And I also like I've, I've admitted to kids, I've apologized and said, I'm sorry, I'm not really very positive right now. You know what I mean? Like, or I'm having a hard time because we're all human, right? So I'm like, I will say like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not feeling my best version of myself today. And just talk that through too, because we're human. We're not perfect. We're, and we're just learning, you know, how to be better versions of our of ourselves each and every day. Again, something like the five B's has really transformed our program. And and just another tidbit I just want to put out there is that with the five B's specifically, it's really really important that we just don't point out when the kids are doing something wrong to refer to the five B's. Like that's just as important as calling them out when they're not being safe. You want to call them out when they are being positive, when they are being responsible, they are getting their work done. Because that is, that's just as important as pointing out when they're not doing the right. You need that encouragement just as a human being to have someone recognizing when you are doing the right thing, when you are making the right decisions, when you're being kind to others, when you're not bullying others, when you made a better decision and you said, oh, I had this choice, but I decided to do something different. That's just as important. Can you define being a bystander and what advice or tips would you give to teens who may want to stand up to bullying? Um, but may be scared to do so or may not know how to help. So someone who witnesses bullying either in person or online is a bystander. Um, and a bystander could be other peers, students, staff members, parent coaches. And with cyberbullying, it could even be strangers that are bystanders. Um, and it's important to keep in mind that, you know, witnessing bullying is upsetting to the bystander as well. And there's had the potential to make a positive difference, though. It's important to know that in any situation. What advice or tips would you give to teens who want to stand up to bullying and become an upstander, but may not know how to do so? Or maybe I have three very simple tips to share. The first one is just to speak up. But if you are scared to do so, you can, you know, you don't, there's no need for confrontation keep your composure, remain calm, and just quietly report it to an adult at a later time. Being afraid in the moment shouldn't keep you from doing the right thing and reporting it to someone that can make a difference to the person that's being bullied. 
I also believe that there's strength in numbers. So teens can intervene as a group. You know, you don't have to be out there on, on your own. And you can make it known to the bully that you don't agree with the bullying. That, so that's one method. Another is, lastly, is to reach out privately to check in with the person who is being bullied. That is a way that you can help and let them know that you don't agree with it and that you care. And that does make a difference because remember with bullying, sometimes you can feel very much isolated and alone. And just knowing that someone cares enough to reach out is something that you can definitely do if you are an upstander, but you might be a bit scared. Thank you for that. I do want to say that when bystanders intervene, bullying stops within 10 seconds, more than half the time. So it is important to either speak up or stand up to bullying or just try to be there in any way we can. As you mentioned, sometimes you may be scared to speak up, but I know something that is also can be done is if you're scared to speak up, maybe you can go to a trusted adult and then they can intervene for you. So it's just important to overall stand up to bullying because it's not okay. It's not cool. And it definitely impacts the lives of our youth negatively. Thank you for taking this time to speak with us today and for giving us more insight on the importance of preventing bullying, what we can do to create a safe learning environment as well as just how we can all stand up to bullying. It has been very enlightening. Thank you so much for having me. If anyone listening is interested in being interviewed or knows someone that might be interested in being interviewed for our podcast, please reach out to us via text or call at 845-625-8606. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 